and He makes us alive, right? Because the Bible tells us before we know Christ that we're dead spiritually. He says to her, do you believe this? Not that I can raise your brother, but do you believe I am the resurrection? Do you believe I am who I said I am? And she says in verse uh, 27, she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. So basically she uses these three terms. She says, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ. That means the Messiah, the Anointed One. And then she says, You are the Son of God. That is the title that Daniel uses in chapter 7 to describe Jesus and His humanity, that He is the Son of God. And then He says, Who is to come into the world? And so she affirms this great statement of faith that she believes that Jesus is the Christ. He's the Savior of the world. He's the one who is to come. And then it says in verse 28, And when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary her sister, saying, The teacher has come and is calling for you. Basically, if you look at this section of Scripture, what happens? She, as soon as she hears this, all her doubts, all her fears, all of her faith is strengthened. And she goes and he get, she gets her sister Mary. It doesn't say in the text, but apparently Jesus told her to go get Mary. And Mary, if you remember, is sitting in the house, still waiting, still mourning, still crying. And as we see uh, Mary, she's always sitting at the Jesus' feet or worshiping Jesus. And, you know, as I really looked at this section of Scripture, I kept thinking over and over in my mind that, that Martha, she's like a lot of us, you know, or people today, we think there's always something that we got to do to fix things. We're always trying our best. And, you know, and God wants us to give our best. But, you know, really, there's times when we can't do anything. And we just have to put it in God's hands. And I think Martha is one of these people that has a hard time of, of, of letting go and letting God do His work. She's always wanting to fix. She always thinks she has the solution. She always thinks she has the answer. But guess what? There's times that, that, that nobody can do anything but Jesus. Nobody can do anything but God. And this is one of those times. Lazarus is dead, but, but Martha is going and she's always going and doing, going and doing. And, and Mary's always sitting at Jesus' feet and worshiping and drawing closer to God. And, and she's, Sitting, and I think she's a picture. Maybe those people who sit and draw close to God. Yes, there's a fine line between doing and sitting, because God calls us to do things for Him, but He also says we're to sit at His feet and learn who He is and find draw close to Him. He says, "Draw close to Me, and I'll draw close to you." And so God wants us to know Him. And so here uh, he calls her and he says, uh, The teacher has come and is calling for you. And as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. I want you to notice what happens here. As soon as Jesus calls, what does she do? She jumps up and she heads for the Savior. 
You know, that, that's the kind of response that God wants from us. He wants us when He calls, when He speaks to us, when He tells us something, He wants us to respond. He wants us to do whatever it is that He calls us to do. And He doesn't want us to sit around and wait and say, Oh, did you really say that? Or, or God, do you really want me to do that? But He wants us to respond and jump up. And right then, right there, now is the time to work for God. We need to be at His beck and call. We need to realize that, that when He speaks, He expects us to answer and to come and to do what He called us to do. And so she arose quickly and came to Him. Then it says in verse 30, Now Jesus had not yet come into town, but is in the place where Martha met Him. So not only does He expect her to come to arise quickly and answer the call, but He expects her to come to where He's at. Because see, God wants to meet us where we're at, but there's times that He wants us to come to the place where He's at and do the things He calls us to do. And then in verse 31 it says, Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, saying, She is going to the tomb to weep there. So what happens? They, you know, back in this day, there were all these professional mourners. Now, we don't know how many they were, but a lot of times these people would come and they would just wail and holler and scream and wail and wail and wail and they were like professional mourners and they would show up and we don't know if that's what these people are but it looks like there's a group of people that really love Mary and really love Martha and they mistake what she's doing they think she's going to the tomb to weep she's wept at the house enough and now she's going to the tomb to weep so they jump up and they follow her now What's going to happen is this is all getting set up so that Jesus has a big audience for when He raises Lazarus from the dead. And then He says, uh, verse 32, Then when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw Him, she fell down at His feet, saying to Him, Lord, if You had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, you know, notice in this section of Scripture, there's three times they say, if you had been here, or if, 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 if. Martha starts out and says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And then Mary says the same thing. And I, I, you know, I can imagine them at the house sitting there talking to each other going, Mary, if, if Jesus had been here, he wouldn't have died. Yes, Martha. If Jesus would have been here, He would not have died. He would have saved them. And they probably said that to themselves many times. And they don't understand. They really at this point just don't understand why God would let them go through so much grief, so much sorrow. And that's what we were talking about the other day, that that Jesus sometimes allows us to go through trouble and trials so we do what? Draw closer to Him, Right? I don't know about you, but when things are going pretty easy, I seem to go my own way and do my own thing. But when times get tough, what do we usually do? Draw closer to Jesus, right? It says, you know, count it all joy, knowing when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith 
produces patience and let patience have its perfect work that you may be mature and complete lacking nothing God sends tribulation God sends trouble to, to accomplish his purposes I heard somebody preaching just this morning or yesterday saying that if God had not kept on sealing up the wells when uh, Jacob was out there in the wilderness and the the other people kept sealing up the wheels and he kept moving and moving and moving and he finally got so close to the promised land where he was supposed to be anyway that he just moved on back into where he was supposed to be and that was what God wanted him to do. That was what he was supposed to do all along. So sometimes God has to nudge us to the place where we're supposed to be and that's what he's trying to do with these sisters. That's what he's trying to do with this crowd. That's what he's trying to do with us. He's strengthening their faith and He's drawing them closer to Him. And He's trying to get them to the place where they can do more for Him. Because see, God loves us and God cares for us. Just remember that, that, that this side of heaven for a Christian, that this is as bad as it will ever get. Do you know that? This is as bad as it will ever get. I know we go through some hard times, some tough times, some rough stuff sometimes. But this is as bad as it will ever be. And one day, the Bible says in Romans 8.18 that, that the suffering of this world won't be considered as nothing compared to the glory which we'll have in heaven with Him. That all of this, as the old song says, it'll be worth it when we see Jesus. Y'all remember that song, right? And so, that's what's going on here is he's causing or allowing trials, allowing troubles in these folks' lives to draw them closer to them, to him, and yet it's for a purpose. And so she's down at his feet. I have to think there's a difference. Mary's standing up talking to Jesus, and I can almost see her now standing there, and and she's not crying, but she's... Jesus, if you hadn't been, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And I, I don't know, really. She stands, and, and Martha falls at her feet. And to me, I think that's a picture of Martha thinking she can do something to fix it. Well, if I could just get to Jesus, we can fix it. And Mary's at the feet of Jesus, worshiping, saying, "You know, Lord, if you had been here." But she's all broke up and crying. But she knows it's going to be okay because Jesus is there. And so it says in verse 31, or excuse me, verse 33, Therefore when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled, and he said, Where have you laid him? So what does Jesus do? Jesus sees her weeping. He sees the Jews who came with her weeping. And it says he groaned in his spirit and was troubled. And, that, you know, he, he, we hadn't got to he wept yet. But, you know, Jesus, I, I, we don't know exactly what this means. This word groaned in the spirit uh, means to snort in anger, to be troubled, to be upset about something. But basically, we know that what's happening here is probably what he's doing is he sees the effects of the sin. He sees the effects of this own 
our lives and he, even though he knows that there's a higher purpose it troubles him you know I, I think Jesus and God you know they they have to nudge us they have to do things to get us to move because in our humanness sometimes we're so stubborn we're so hard to to get to do what God wants us to do that he has sometimes to put us through some tough stuff to get us to do what he wants us to do. But you know what? I think it hurts him. I think it makes him feel bad, but he knows it's for our good, right? I mean, think about it. I know probably most of y'all have had children, right? What was that old saying? You know, when you whoop your child, you say, this is going to hurt me worse than it hurts you. (laughs) But... You know, we used to say that, and and sometimes it does hurt to whip your child. Sometimes it does hurt to see your children go through tough stuff, and sometimes you have to let them fall on their face and let them get situations where they learn the lessons of life for themselves. And I think that's what God does in our case, is He He He, he allows us to go through these things, and He, you know, but it, but it still hurts Him. It still bothers him because we are his children and he loves us and he cares for us. And he really wants us to do the best without having to go through all the stuff. But unfortunately, you know, we're like little children and we just have to keep learning lessons over and over again. And that's why Jesus calls us sheep, you know. Sheep, for some reason or another, they're real dumb and they. You know, they have to be led and guided and whooped and everything in the book. And I think sometimes that's us. Because, you know, God's always having to prod us. He's always having to move us. He's always having to keep us from falling in a hole or get back on the track. As one man said, that this Bible is not, you know, 10,000 different messages or however many messages you might could get out of here. But he says, I've got like 13 messages or something. Really, the Bible tells us the same thing over and over and over again. But it just tells us in different ways so we can understand what we need to do and how God loves us and how God cares for us and how we're to become like Him and to grow and and trust Him and follow Him. And so I think probably what's going on here is Jesus is angry at the at the fact of sin and grief and it hurts him and we don't know what all is going. There's probably some anger, probably some sadness, probably some grief because of all the stuff that these folks are going through, but he's probably upset at the effects of sin and death and and the problems that's going on in their lives because of what they're having to go through and it bothers him. And it says he groaned in the spirit and and was troubled. I mean, he just probably let out this involuntary groan. Oh, you know. And, and he was troubled over this whole situation. He said to them, where have you laid them? Notice, you know, Jesus is going to raise him from the grave. But what does he do? He asks, where is he? Now, Jesus... God doesn't use supernatural means when human means will work. Did you know that? That's why He uses us. 
I mean, God could accomplish all His purposes and He doesn't need us a bit. Did you know that? But He lets us be a part of His work, of His glory, of all the things He does. And one day we're going to rule and reign with Him in heaven and we'll be up there. And, and the thing about it is, is the stuff that we do is because He lives in us and through us and because he, he speaks to people's hearts and He works in people's hearts. The things that happen, happen because ultimately... It's His power in us. But yet, He's going to give us glory. He's going to give us a position in heaven. He's going to let us live up there in such a place that we get His glory. And, and, and so, he, he says, where have they laid Him? And we'll notice too that when they get ready to roll back the stone, He, he, he asks them to roll back the stone too. You know, pull it back. And when He does that, what happens? See, he could have flopped that stone up in the air. He could have made it turn flips. He could have rolled it out the way. He could have disintegrated it and just made it some big miracle. You know, well, Jesus blew up the stone or he flipped it out the way and then he brought Lazarus out and he, you know, made him alive. But he uses people because he wants us to be a part of what he does. And they said to him, Lord, Come and see. And so, they say, you come on, Lord. You come look. You come see. And it says in verse 35, Jesus wept. So Jesus weeps now. He's just broken up and crying and upset over the fact that, that you know, he's, Lazarus is dead. But you know, what's crazy is is Jesus weeps even though He knows He's fixing to bring Him up out of, out of the grave. Did you know that? He, he weeps even though He knows He's fixing to bring Him back and make Him alive. And, and, but maybe, maybe He's weeping because of the fact that poor old Lazarus... Have you ever thought about that? When Jesus died on the cross, when Lazarus raised these people from the dead, I mean, Jesus raised these people from the dead, and even Elijah back in the Old Testament, they had to leave paradise. They had to leave the heavenly place that they were already in. Because, see, Lazarus has been dead four days. And he's already in paradise. He's already in that place. And so he's having to bring Lazarus back from this paradise back into this sin destroyed, ravaged world that we call earth and bring him back into this world when he's already enjoying heaven and he's going to bring him back and guess what one day Lazarus is going to have to die again but after he died the first time I don't imagine he was too scared after the first time do you? Because he knows what's on the other side. He knows that heaven's waiting on him. And he knows what's there. And then it says in verse 36, Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. You know, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16, it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin, let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace 
that we might receive mercy and find grace in the time of need. See, Jesus is one who was tempted in all ways we were. He, he had tears. He was put through all kinds of pain, all kinds of suffering. Just as we are, God in human flesh lived on this earth for 33 years and He understands what it is to be human because He has put up with the weaknesses. He was hungry. He was tired. He was weak. He cried. He wept. He All these things He went through because He loved us and, and He was going to die on the cross for our sins. And it's amazing that God would do that for us, isn't it? That He would come down and live on this earth for 33 years in a human body and all the infirmities. I know our bodies in lots of ways are amazing, but, you know, it's amazing the things our bodies are capable of and can do. But you know what? They are fraught with weaknesses and illnesses and all kinds of problems too because of the sin that has come into the world. And so he put up with all that. And so the Jews said, see how he loved him. And you know, Jesus, I think they kind of misunderstand because I think Jesus is weeping over the effects of the sin and the fact that Lazarus is going to have to come back into this world and and he's weeping over all these effects of sin even though He knows that it takes this to accomplish His purposes. Like I said, when we allow our child, or we have to whoop our child, or whatever we have to do, it hurts us. But we know it's necessary because they've got to learn the lessons of life. Then in verse 37, some of them said, Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also kept this man from dying? And so here's this other person saying, if only, if only, why didn't he keep him from dying? And they don't understand what Jesus is doing. They don't understand that Jesus has a plan, that he has a purpose, that even when he's four days late, he's right on time. Jesus, again, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. And I think we'll stop there today, but... Think about this, the fact that that Jesus loves these folks, He cares for these folks, but yet He allows us to go through troubled times, hard times, because He wants us to know how much He loves us. The way we get to know Him is when we go through the tough stuff. It draws us close to Him. When we, when we go through life, you know, it's the tough things of life that either draw you closer to Jesus or they pull you away from Jesus. And there's a lot of folks out there that have been pushed away from God because of the tough things in life. They say, well, why did God let this happen to me? You know, and sometimes we have to ask that question too. Well, why did God let this happen to me? Or why am I going through this? Or why is this going on? But you know, I think we need to do it in the context of James chapter 1, talking about count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Or uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 3, where he says, 
tribulation worketh patience, and patience character, and character hope. And we have to realize that God's working in us, and He's working on us, and He wants to work through us. So, are we going to get mad with God, or are we going to get glad with God because He's doing something in us and through us? You know, that's the tough part. Understanding when we go through these hard times that that's the way we get to know God. That's the way we know Him in a better, more intimate way is through the tough times, through drawing close to Him. Remember what we said in John 17? It says, This is eternal life that you may know Him, the true God in Jesus Christ whom He sent. So what is eternal life? Knowing God, right? I mean, the more you know somebody that, you know, part of marriage and family and relationships is getting to know who that person is and loving them for who they are, right? Well, you know, we love people in spite of who they are. (laughs) And they love us in spite of who we are. But you know what? We don't have to love God in spite of who He is, but we can love Him because of who He is. And He's a wonderful, great God. And He loves us very much. And so as we go through trials, as we go through trouble, as we go through tribulation, let's remember that God loves us and, and say, God, what are you teaching me? What are you showing me? What do you want me to do as I go through this trial, as I go through this trouble? How can I know you better? How can I serve you better? How can I glorify you? Because the whole thing is we're going to get back to it again but starting in verse 4 Jesus said that the whole reason this happened was that God would be glorified and the Son of God would be glorified that Jesus would be glorified and that's what we're supposed to do is glorify Jesus and glorify His name and uh, so as we remember that Remember, the chief end of man is to do what? To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. So I think we're going to sing number 34 this morning. Glory to His name. Let's pray and then we'll sing glory to His name. Father, we love You, we thank You, and we praise You for who You are. And we ask today that You would get glory in everything that we do as we go through trials, as we go through troubles, that people would see our good works and glorify You, our Father who's in heaven. So Father, help us to give glory unto You. And we just praise You for that. In Jesus' name, Amen. Number 34, glory to His name. I'm the child without I'm the widow left alone So be loved Be loved to me Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. 
Welcome to our program, The Least of These. Every week, we at His Love Ministries, we go out and reach out to those the world has forgotten. We go out to many places throughout the community. We conduct about 70 services every single month. And we go out and minister to those who can't get out and go to church services, those that have been forgotten by the community, those in nursing homes, assisted living facilities, uh, mental health facilities, even the prisons and the jails. And so as we go out and minister to the least of these, we're trying to reach them with the, the soul-saving message of Jesus Christ. And he is the only way to get to heaven. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one gets to the Father but by me. Every week we're out there trying to minister to these folks, and every week we're in the trenches just uh, giving them the gospel, trying to grow them, trying to strengthen them. Many of them are unable, or all of them actually, are unable to be able to go out to services. And so we go out to them. And it's a job that we love because God has called us to it. And so if you like what you hear with our podcast, our main website is hisloveministries.net. You can go over there and you can help us fulfill our mission uh, reaching out to those the world has forgotten, to the least of these. Because Jesus said, if you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. And so if you want to help us, go out to our website. There's a Donate Now button. You can click on it and donate directly to us. Or you can send us a regular mail, Post Office Box 30513, Savannah, Georgia, 31410. Thank you very much, and God bless you for helping us.